the best show on television returns this week. Yes, NBA basketball on Tuesday. The regular season starts. And we'll get you ready for it. This is Round Ball Roundup. UtahJazz.com. I'm JP Chunga. Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer wrote about Rudy Gobert. He joins the podcast in just a moment. But first, quick takes off the top. And maybe it's because I've been watching way too much Succession. Or every time I talk to someone around the league, the first words that come out of their mouth, I trust this Jazz team. This Jazz team, I trust to win a lot of games in the regular season. So, why not come out with trust rankings? Team I trust. Team I don't trust. All in favor of the vote of no confidence in Logan Roy. Vote of no confidence for the contenders, teams that are discussed in the upper echelon as squads that can make a conference finals because that's the neighborhood that the Jazz are in in trying to get ultimately the championship. But when you get to the conference finals, anything can happen. Somebody's going to have a chance to get a title out of that. Me. My hand is raised. More in sorrow than in anger. So, teams I trust in the Western Conference. I got five that I do, three that I don't. Why do I have five? I want to identify teams that I think that could be in the top four, one that can be a thorny first-round matchup, start upsetting some teams. So, obviously, first team I trust, the Jazz. It's what you hear around the league, talking to people, whether it's media, whether it's front office, they trust that the Jazz will be good in the regular season. And you saw it bear out in the GM survey when they are picked second at the pace that they were going last year, winning 52 games in a shorter slate. They were well on their way to a whole bunch of wins in a regular season. They have the right leadership, Quinn Snyder, a star that holds everybody accountable, Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy is a perfect day-to-day destroyer of offenses that you can't prepare for on a back-to-back or even when you have days off. The Jazz are going to win a lot of games in the regular season. I'm interested to see how much tinkering they do. What are the little tweaks Quinn Snyder's going to enact to make sure that they have the best chance to win in the end, in that postseason? But today, right now, that's how I'm basing these rankings, how much I trust a team right now in this day, well, I think Jazz deserve trust as one that could be definitely a top three team in the conference. Second team I trust, the Suns. Saw it last year, making their finals run. Yes, they got a completely injury-free Chris Paul after another year where he'd just gone the distance. Can you get another year out of him? see I'm sure they'll be very judicious in trying to arrest him but he's a professional that elevates everybody's level of play they have the perfect wing defender for the league in Mikhail Bridges and they just extended him did the right decision on that one but he's a plus plus player and one that everybody's trying to look for hey can I get a Mikhail Bridges type yeah good luck Everybody's trying to draft that player in the first 15 picks. So if you're in the back end of the draft, good luck trying to find him. I trust CP 
I trust Devin Booker as a scorer, and I trust DeAndre Ayton, who, for thinking about vibes and things beyond the floor, maybe that contract situation that he has sits over his head. As of recording right now, he doesn't have an extension, so it could get tricky. Vibes might be off, but I still trust them to win a lot of games in the regular season. As it's kind of like the Jazz and the Suns as co-West favorites out here. Now the next one, conference-wise, might be controversial, but I trust the Lakers. I do. I think that team's going to put a lot of pressure on the rim. They upgrade in bigs from Gasol to Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan. Who'd have thought that I'd ever say that? But the thing about Gasol, the thing about Drummond, is they they aren't as vertical as those two options that they have now. And you're going to have Russell Westbrook coming into the fold, pressuring the rim. He's going to attack. And he'll have opportunities to throw up lobs to DeAndre and to Dwight. For that, the regular season, that's going to work. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, a star in its prime. Lakers can still win a bunch of games. And I've seen the advanced models. Like 538 does not trust LA at all. However, I'm not going to be out in front of calling the LeBron James decline. It's just not going to be me. I know, winless preseason, but I trust LeBron James, Frank Vogel in that squad. Then, next team I trust... Nuggets. They have the MVP. And while they'll be treading water until Jamal Murray gets back, earliest maybe the second half of the season, they have an offense that can work in and of itself because of Jokic. It means more opportunity for Michael Porter Jr., who career 40% three-point shooter. They might have a microwave score off the bench in Bones Highland. I love that draft pick, the kid out of TCU. He had a quarter in preseason where he scores 18. They bolstered that second unit with the greens. They're going to be able to score, that's for sure, in the opening portions of the season. And I'm going to talk to, talk about this tomorrow on the podcast. But offense is here to stay. Jokic is a perfect offensive player. Plus they have a wing. They can go up against great offensive players in Aaron Gordon. So they got a lot working for them. And the final team I trust, and if we're ranking these, uh, how much I trust them, it is in the order that I went. This might be the least team that I trust and be in contention for the title. Warriors. I trust the Warriors. We saw what Steph could do at his age. He's 33. He can take tons and tons of pressure, and he's going to get Clay back. If Clay's back... And you get his gravity moving off the ball. The offense will start to look beautiful again. Draymond Green in those small lineups. They have a team that can be built for success. And I like the draft picks in Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga. I'm very high on Kaminga. He showed that in and out dribble in Summer League right before team goes into halftime where he's got somebody dancing on the perimeter and goes straight to the hoop for a jam. He can show this at the NBA level, and they might be in that zone of 4-5, and they upset someone, and then they're on to the second round of the playoffs. And they could threaten your season. 
That's what the Warriors can do. And I trust Steph as an effective player in that. Now, fun ones. Three teams I don't trust. Roman for me. I'm not sure we can count that for you. Roman. Against. That are in the discussion as title contenders, Western Conference Finals appearances. These are teams that I don't trust. And I don't trust the Mavericks. I just don't. I realize Luka's phenomenal. He can have an MVP-type year. Does he have enough help? Well, one of the guys that's helping him is actually hurting him. Chris Stapps Porzingis. Look at the on-off numbers. Clean the glass. Two points better when he's not on the floor. Jason Kidd said in media day that they're committing to playing KP on the floor. Well, that seems like a bad strategy. So how good can they be? If they're committed to a player that isn't actively helping the team, I'm sorry, I can't trust you. I have questions about Jason Kidd in his first year in charge. They'll have to get Olympic Luka. No thanks. I'm not buying. And if they find a trade for KP, I don't see anybody buying high. Another team I don't trust. Clippers. You're hoping for a lot of career years. Paul George needs to revert back to that 2019 form when he was in OKC and he was threatening for MVP discussions. I don't know if he could do that. No Kawhi until late in the season. Terrence Mann needs to go off for 39 points. And how many times did he do that during the regular season? You need consistent play from plenty of players that have been inconsistent. Justice Winslow's behind Mann in their depth chart, and he's had an uneven start to his career in Miami and Memphis. Reggie Jackson is the epitome of up and down. So are they treading water the entire year? That doesn't spell a lot of success when it comes to playoff basketball. And then the final team, and I debated on whether to include them in these no-trust rankings, the final team that I don't trust is the Blazers. Another first-year head coach in Chauncey Billups. Dame supported the hire until he didn't. He was disgruntled in the offseason. I just think the vibes are off. Portland doesn't seem like all is okay. I like the addition of Larry Nance. He's a wing that can match up defensively and provide a punch. But that backcourt still can't defend. Dame and CJ, we've seen it year after year. And they don't have the defenders to protect them. You need a Rudy Gobert level of defender to hide everything that can happen on the perimeter with that backcourt. And I don't think a first-year head coach fixes those problems. So that's it. Trust rankings for 2021-2022. Pair with episode one, season three of Succession. Deadlock. Continuity prevails. As always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Let others know that you're listening. Five stars and nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Now, Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer, KOC, man of many nicknames, of many titles. He's on The Void, the YouTube series that he does, The Mismatch, the podcast with Chris Vernon, and he's a senior writer. As he gave Rudy Gobert the KOC treatment. Check it out online. He discusses it with me right now. And it's a fascinating conversation. We started out wondering why there are so many NBA writers from Boston. <laughs> you know, I've never been asked this question before. 
Uh, so it's the first time I've thought about it. And okay. the first thing that popped into my mind was like, why am I a writer? And it's like the passion and the love for the game. And and I think like I saw Isaiah Thomas, former Celtics player, uh, tweet the other day, uh, earlier today, like how in a couple of years he became so beloved and how he felt so much love for the city of Boston. I think it relates to that because jazz fans know like how passionate that fan base is about the team and how crazy that crowd can get in good games amazing games like like the decibel level must reach over 100 sometimes that's what it's like in boston and so maybe part of it is like it's a big market uh, colliding with the fact that it's a super passionate sports town for football for basketball for baseball for hockey it's like Every major sport in North America is insanely popular in Boston, and it's a big market. So, like, those things crossed over together. I think that might be the real reason why, but I really think it relates to the passion and the heart, like, that that fan base has for their team, which, I, you know, people from Utah rooting for the Jazz can absolutely relate to. Well, I was going to say, I mean, this is a one sports professional, uh, at least, mm. town. There's a huge amount of passion for the Jazz for NBA basketball, and – for as big as Boston seems, it's not as big as New York. It's yeah. it is a little bit more communal in that aspect where everybody's reading Bob Ryan or Jackie Mack in the globe. And that sets an entire fan base of hoop heads that eventually grow up and, and join the industry after that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I grew up reading them and, Reading even, you know, people like Mike Reese, who's a Patriots writer, or, or like Chris Gasper, a Patriots writer. There's like a lot of football writers that I grew up really writing and, and appreciating, you know, even more than basketball some some of the time. So, I mean, there's just so much, you know, talent in that city from past generations who still do great work today. Um, it, 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 allow, it allows for great examples to be set and great examples to be followed. Well, we're glad that you gave Rudy – uh, the Kevin O'Connor treatment in diving uh, deep into what he's doing. He is your background right now as you're talking to me. <laughs> Where did this come from? Where did you start to think about it and, and dive into the piece to eventually get into what Rudy has done, what he's done in the playoffs, which many jazz fans are concerned about and where he's going. So, I mean, I think the reason why I wanted to write the article is because I, it really comes from the mismatch uh, with me and Chris Vernon, I, I, I co-host for The Mismatch. I love Rudy Gobert. I've loved Rudy Gobert for years now. Uh, Chris Vernon has sort of reflected like the, the wide NBA you know, fan base, like non-jazz fans. You know, a lot of people think of Rudy Gobert as a meme, or they think of him as like this overrated player who falls apart in the playoffs, and this and that, this and that. And it's like, I don't know. I thought to myself, the original idea was really like, I want to write a story about Rudy Gobert and that it like really underlines the things that he does well and how he does them at a high level. Like, you know, there's the term that came out of I think uh, Jazz Camp the other day, like a sprint assist. Like running the floor hard and just his presence by running the floor causes defenders to suck into the paint, which opens up, you know, open three point attempts. You don't get a stat for that. You don't you don't get credit for that, but it's something he does and like the effort he puts in the beyond the box score stuff I wanted to write about and and reporting through the story, talking with Alex Jensen, a jazz assistant coach who's been with the team since Rudy's rookie year, and talking to Rudy Gobert multiple times, um, and talking to his mom and a number of other people, it's like the, the underlying thread in all of it was really just a story of this guy who always had self-belief in himself, um, even when many other people did not believe in him. 
And I, I think with Rudy, it's particularly interesting because that thread still runs through to this day. You know, despite three defensive player of the years, despite all the play, the regular season success, despite the fact that like he is this guy who's one of the greatest defenders of his generation, there's still doubt with who he is. Like nothing has changed, and yet everything has changed since he was a little boy growing up in France. So that's sort of what the story became was like a story of just Rudy Gobert's self belief. Um, and uh, I don't know, I, I found it pretty inspiring to talk to him and. Um, I just look forward to seeing where he continues to go because he wants to keep getting better and better and better. Like I said, everything's changed in his life, but in a way, nothing's changed. Well, and, and Vernon does those voicemails of uh, Rudy Gobert that he did a couple months back. <laughs> Hello, Kevin. <laughs> My name is Rudy Gobert. <laughs> that's that's the Verno. Yeah, those silly voicemails. <laughs> it was good to have him on before that Grizzly series. So he at least came, had some come up and a little bit uh, <laughs> with coming on the podcast before that. You guys also touched on this in your latest pod. Good players get hated. Oh, yeah. It's just what happens when you reach a level in the league where you're going to have haters and it's going to create who you become as a player do you use it as motivation or do you succumb to it yeah no doubt about it I mean that's that's part of it you know I, I think uh everybody at some point gets haters you know if they're in the limelight on social media and all that and some do more than others of course um for a wide uh wide variety of reasons but ultimately with Rudy Gobert a lot of it like you know, we, we, not a lot of it made it into the story, but like I think with him, so much of it stems from that Steph Curry moment um, with stem with, with Steph putting him in the spin cycle, and I feel like that is stuck with Rudy, and he brought it, he brought that up to me. You know, he's like people talk about that Steph moment. He's like I've gotten better from that, and, and like I, I just you know you think about it, people's failures a lot of the time people stick to that and they keep talking about that or thinking about that or it, it it sticks with what a perception of a person could be and not how they've changed since then. And like Rudy Gobert, undeniably, like you don't have to be like some trained basketball eye to watch film of him from the 16-17 season defending on the perimeter versus the last season, the 2020-21 NBA season, and be like, oh, this is a guy who in four years has gotten way better. At moving and defending on the perimeter, and that's because he put the work into it. And, you know, I, I think had we written the article during the playoffs, um, that more of that would have made it into the story. But since we kind of, you know, postponed it till the preseason here, it kind of didn't make it in as much. But ultimately, like, yeah, like he's gotten way better at defending and moving his feet on the perimeter. And it's like, why, why do we talk so much about the failings and not so much about how someone's progressed from those? And with Rudy Gobert, I, I think he's just a prime example of somebody who anytime he's you know gotten knocked down, he gets back up and gets better from it. He wears the progression on his jersey, 27, being, yeah. being the yeah. place that he was drafted. Were you doing the, the draft guide when he was coming out? No, that, that was so my first year writing about basketball was 2013. So I was writing for Celtics blog at the time and I had like a top 50 and Gobert was not in my first round. I think I had Gobert ranked like right outside the first round, like 34, 34, something like that. And with him, my questions about Gobert at the time were the same as everybody else. Like, how can this raw, lanky guy, you know, who looks like he kind of knows what he's doing, but also like sometimes making silly plays, doesn't know exactly know where to be. How good can he be offensively aside from dunking? You know, like there's, you know, questions about that at the time. And, you know, he's proven 
absolutely everybody wrong uh, ever since he was a little kid. It's kind of kind of remarkable when you think about it. He was right. He was right all 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 the way. He was right about him becoming an NBA player. He was right. And the description you have for those younger years, he did look like a gamer where he's long, gangly, he's got the glasses and he <laughs> he loves gaming oh, in so far yeah. as winning that trivia contest for the Nintendo Wii. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even at the end, like I, I put some Warzone stats in there. I've been waiting. I've been waiting a year for an opportunity to put Warzone stats in an article. <laughs> I, I think I put his, uh, his kill death ratio um, uh, at his win percentage or something like that in the article. But um, yeah, Rudy's a gamer for real. Um, I think he plays Warzone not as much as I do, but often I play too much. Maybe maybe a little too much, but hey, we've been living in a pandemic the past year and a half. It should my my time played on Warzone. The higher it is, it is just a reflection of me being a good citizen pre-vaccination stage. <laughs> How many Zoom press conferences have you been on while also playing Warzone? Not many, not many. Okay. Two or two or three. Um, okay. I, like there's the. I think the only one I have actually asked a question was the Heat during the bubble i think it was it was like eric spolstra i forget what it was exactly it was last year during the bubble and it was it was a game where i actually won it was my first time winning a solo and oh. solo solos in Warzone are like your heart is beating fast like like <laughs> like you're in like fight or flight mode your body just goes into it it's like boom, 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 boom. And I'm, asking, I'm in the final circle with a riot shield. I chose the riot shield to protect me, knowing that there's a chance I was going to have to ask a question. I'm like, I'm going to play extremely conservative. And I raise my hand in the zoom and I get called when it's one V one at the end. <laughs> I wish I had a camera on me. I really do. Like I, I wish I could have recorded that moment and being able to play it back because like i don't know it's just something that i'm always gonna look back on and just laugh about it it was just and i got the dub i got the win it was my first solo win my heart doesn't beat the same way anymore in those moments and the many solo dubs have i've gotten since then um but yeah that, that was a memorable one asking eric spolster about bam out of bio i think it was <laughs> <laughs> that is pandemic reporting in a nutshell it was pandemic reporting for sure and hey like i listen I mean, I'm not making excuses here. I don't have to make excuses. But, like, you know how it is, like, sometimes with media stuff. Sometimes, like, they say, like, it'll be in 10 minutes, and then it's an hour. So I'm like, I'm just going <laughs> to put the game on. <laughs> and then I figure I'll, I'll, the game will be over. Turned out I was at the end. So, I don't know. It, it was fun. I've definitely listened to Quinn Snyder as I'm uh, on uh, FIFA Dynasty mode. So I can completely <laughs> relate to what you're talking about right now. Nothing wrong with that. As you look at this team and, and what they could do in the Western Conference, where can they go with the development of Rudy? Uh, you talking to Rudy, he was pretty honest about uh, what he's been trying to improve on and that being his offensive game. I don't think everybody's going to be expecting him to make a, a jumper like he did in the preseason <laughs> the other night, but what can he do in helping this team in the Western Conference? I mean, I think with Rudy, it's it's – well, you, first I'll say, like, if you ask Alex Jensen, um, Alex Jensen, like I mentioned to him, some of the stuff that Rudy wants to get better at, like finishing from tougher angles, being able to use his size to his advantage when teams go smaller so he can try to force them to go big. You know, you, you I say all that to Alex Jensen. He's like, yeah, that's true. Like, we want all that. But also, we want Rudy to be the best version of himself. 
You know, he's like, and Alex Jensen mentioned sometimes, like, like for any player, you run the floor 15 times in a row hard and you don't get a pass. Sometimes like you naturally slow down a little bit, like going hard every time you're setting your screening and rolling hard to the rim. You don't get it eight, nine times in a row. Continue to roll hard because even if you're not getting that touch, you're not getting the ball in your hands, you're not scoring, it's still making a difference for your team. So, like, the Jazz coaching staff wants Rudy to continue doing the things that have made him a significant impact player for years now. They w- But also, Gobert naturally wants to have the opportunities to fail. Like, he had the quote in the article where I think he said something along the lines of, like, you know, you need to fail in order to get better, you know, like you need to fail in the moment, right? In live games and learn from that. I think Gobert wants that. And, you know, maybe that's why he took that jump shot. Um, Like I can't say for certain we're going to see more of that during the season. Um, But I do think it's worth noting like the Bucks last year, the Milwaukee Bucks all season long, they experimented with playing a switching defense as a team. This is a collective thing, not an individual thing, but as a team, they experimented during the regular season. Logically, if you're the Jazz, like this is going to be a really good regular season team. It's a, but it's about can they get over the hump in the postseason, getting to the third round or possibly the finals. And I don't think it hurts at all to, you know, experiment a little bit. Even if maybe like Gobert is getting, you know, a post touch against a smaller guy when ordinarily you might not want that to happen. Like it might not be the the most efficient play. Maybe do it anyway just to get those reps, just to get him that experience. I, I My impression talking to Gobert based off the comment that we put into the article and just overall, like I, I get the sense that he wants those reps so he can be ready in the postseason. So maybe we'll see more of that experimentation over the course of the year. Um, so that's something I'm going to be watching for, like un- uh, undoubtedly. You brought it up, the Bucks being an example for what the Jazz can do. How similar is this situation to what the Bucks uh, did last season, where they they had, in Giannis's pass, failure after failure in the playoffs. The Jazz have the exact same thing, unsatisfying endings, but still trying to go at it. I mean, I think with Milwaukee, they got Drew Holiday. That's the big, big difference. And I I think with, like, Utah, you could say, well, they were missing guys. You know, they had players injured. They had players, you know, that were dealing with injury. Coming back this year, full offseason, slightly different roster, healthy roster, um, things could be much different. And we will see them play small more often. I think with adding Rudy Gay uh, instead of Derek Favors, granted there is Hassan Whiteside, you don't need to play – white side you can play some smaller lineups when Gobert's not on the floor so you will see some differences in the way in which the Jazz play but ultimately you know I I think this is just going to be a tweaked version of what's worked so well like I, I don't think I mean I know obviously the playoff losses are heartbreaking and disappointing to, to lose five years in a row in the postseason but it's not like this team can't win like the the West is very winnable. I mean, like you look across the league. Uh, I mean, at the favorites, like the Bucks, in some ways are being overlooked in a sense when you think about who who has a chance to win the championship. In the Western Conference, it's like you can look at the Lakers. They have to integrate Russell Westbrook, and we've already seen some of the challenges in their offense in the half court. You can think about the Warriors. Well, what's it going to be like for them in situations when Steph is off the floor? They've gotten shredded in years past. What will Clay Thompson look like with the Suns? Are they going to be able to replicate their success in year two? And, you know, up and down the line, don't need to go through every team. Like every team you can look at and say, well, what about that? 
with the Jazz, you can say that with a number of players. You can say that about Gobert. You can say that about you know, the bench. You can say that about, like, if Gobert's off the floor, what are they going to do with smaller lineups? But, like, ultimately, this team is right there. They're right there. It's just about being better in those situations if they come up again, if the opponent goes small, and also just being better and more consistent at what they already do at their best. And that's playing with Gobert on the floor, you know, playing great pick-and-roll defense and him running the floor hard. How high are you on the Jazz's draft pick, Jared Butler, since you're a draft guy, uh, Jared Butler coming to this team and potentially threatening to, to jump into that rotation that Quinn uses? I mean, I don't expect him to look as good as he did in preseason. I mean, like, I mean, like he dealt with the the heart condition, which kind of knocked his draft stock down, and and ultimately maybe that's to the benefit of Utah because this is a guy, you know, he's twenty twenty one years old, and three years at, at Baylor got better every single season, and I think, like, think about the impact of Jordan Clarkson last year in terms of he's just like a microwave who can get buckets for you at any moment. He can have games where he gets 25 for you, have games where he gets 30 for you, and he can be a steady 14, 15, 16 most nights. Butler is like sort of like a similar mold in the sense that you're having another guy that can provide offensive firepower. And I think, you know, oftentimes when we talk about what did the Jazz need to fix offensively, it's it's not all on Gobert like beating the, the Marcus Morris it's not on it's not on him to beat Terrence Mann inside it's also on you know guys like Clarkson and 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 whether it's Butler as a rookie or whether it's Conley and Mitchell as the veterans the leaders in that backcourt like it's a collective thing for who who's going to get these buckets and I feel like Utah has more of them including Joe Ingles for that matter too who super underrated like league-wide in terms of what he can do as a scorer so I think you factor in subtle improvements from Rudy Gobert a rookie who could have a big night in a playoff series like Butler factor in the fact Mitchell has gotten better every single season of his career. All of these incremental improvements all can add up to make a significant difference. And what has been for them, it's not like they're getting swept every playoff, you know, elimination, they're going deep into the, the round. Um, so like all these subtle differences, I think can add up to make Utah a team that could find itself in the conference finals. Well, we're looking forward to it as the season starts on Wednesday, and you'll be covering it on The Mismatch, on The Void, on The <laughs> Ringer, Kevin O'Connor on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much, JP. Looking forward to watching the season. 